Welcome back to Real Talk Torah here at the database with Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg. I'm Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg, and you just entered the database. And for today's issue, I wanted to talk about the laning that we all know, or at least the laning that we think we all know, and that is the laning of the passage or the section of the Carbonus of the Nisim, which comes from this week's Parsha, Parsha's Nusso, Parsha known perhaps for its 176 psukim, the most psukim of any sidra in the entire Torah. And that is obviously in part due to the repetitive psukim of the Karbanos of the Nisim. And what we're going to hopefully cover now is why we really don't understand it at all. Before we do that, let's thank our sponsors. Firstly, we have Anonymous, Lili Nishmas, Shmuel Menachem, and Arleib, and Leib, and Avram, and Hashem, and And we have a sponsorship from Yonah and Chani Laster, their second sponsorship. Anyone else wants to sponsor, just reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's thedatabase, B-E-I-S, at gmail.com. Okay, so again, Parshasnaso contains this whole section of passages that many of us can probably even lay in by heart. The section of the Carbonus of the Nisim, or the tribute of the Nisim, which was offered at the Chanukah's Mizbeach, or the dedication of the Mizbeach, the Mizbeach on the first day that the Mishkan was erected. And if you're a man and you're listening to this now, you'd probably not only be able to finish the paragraph, but you could also do so with the trap. If I'd merely say, Karbano karas kasef achas, shloshim umeyah, mishkala, and so forth. And good chance you were singing along with me, and you're probably likely to sing along to yourself every next time you hear these paragraphs laying in shul. And surely if you were to be asked to lane on the spot, this would be the section that you'd be willing to read. Like you, you'd, you'd say yes if it, was, if, it was, if it was this one. And there is a fairly simple reason for this phenomenon of the familiarity we have with these passages. And before we get really proud of ourselves for knowing the Carbonus of the Nisim virtually by heart, if we're being honest, we'll be ready to admit that we're only as familiar with these words as we are because, firstly, these paragraphs are read from every day of Hanukkah, as Hanukkah we know celebrates the Hanukkah's Mizbeach. And secondly, because even in their own right, these paragraphs are just so incredibly repetitive. Each of the 12 Nisim at the tribal princes, they physically offered the same exact tribute. And so the Torah essentially recorded this passage 12 times, changing virtually nothing but the number of the day and the name of the Nasi that is attached to the carbon. So yes, naturally we quote-unquote know the laning. But the question is, do we really know it? I challenge you right now. Without looking at a translation, could you tell me in your own words what, in fact, the Karbanos of the Nisim consisted of? You can pause, pause the tape right now and, and see if you could think of it. How many animals did each Nasi offer in his tribute? Could you even give me an estimate? Okay, tell me when you're ready. Okay, you can't do that, so I'm going to tell you right now. Answer. Ready? Here we go. Each Nasi offered a silver bowl, a silver basin both filled with flour, a golden ladle filled with incense, and several animals, 21 animals to be exact. So for you know, the animal rights activists, here's something to think about. But more specifically, they each offered one young bull, a ram for a burnt offering or a carbon ola, a sheep 
and a goat for a sin offering and a round of feast offerings, which included two bulls, five more rams, five more he goats, and five more sheep. Now, like, don't don't worry. Like, I also didn't know the answer to this question until I looked at Art Scroll's translation myself. But what this possibly painful exercise hopefully helped us realize is that while it's nice to know how to sing the Hebrew text of these psukim, we really shouldn't be fully satisfied if we could hardly understand them ourselves. Yes, we've heard the words so many times, but do they actually mean anything to us? All right, there's a popular question that's asked regarding the section of the Nisim, and that is, why in fact the Torah used up so much space to merely copy and paste the same words? And it's a good question. Why in fact does the Torah choose to be so repetitive when it could have merely stated that each Nasi subsequently offered a physically identical package of carbonos. And you could say, on this day it was this Nasi and he offered the same carbon. So the simple but very critical answer to this question that's classically offered is that even though the carbonos were indeed physically identical, but they were not spiritually identical. Because in fact, each Nasi offered his carbon with a different level and quality of kavana different level or quality of intention, and heart, right? We know that Hashem is obviously able to see well beyond the physical makeup of the karbanos, and no karban, even if it looks the same, is really the same. And this is true for our tefillos as well. Even though it's all made up of the same text, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, when it comes from a different person, in a certain sense, it means something different. But for now, let us concern ourselves less with what Hashem sees and more with what we can see. Because, again, before we sat on it and thought about the meaning of the words ourselves, did we actually know what each package of carbonos contained? Forget the other 11. Could we have confidently communicated what one of these tributes looked like? And it could be, we know, when it comes to something like carbonos, we're naturally inclined to dismiss these passages. Because an animal sacrifice, we might think, is just an animal sacrifice. You've seen one... You've seen them all. But if that's really true, we have to ask ourselves then, why would Hashem go out of his way to prescribe a different carbon for Shabbos, for Rosh Chodesh, and for every single Yom Tov? And could we honestly say that we know the difference between the carbonos musaf of each of these days? Right, the one for Shabbos we say every day. Well, well what, what does it consist of? Do we know what that means, though? Perhaps we could lane the karbanos, or sing them with the appropriate chazanas and nosach, right? Go to Baltzfila workshop. But could anyone actually, you know, could we actually tell anyone what, in fact, the karbanos looks like? Maybe we've studied the entire text of the Avodas Yom Kippurim, so that we can lead Musaf on Yom Kippur. But how ready would we actually be to perform the Avoda that we're describing? Right, the, the davening is a screenplay, but do we know what it's a screenplay of? It's interesting, because although he was a levy and therefore unqualified to perform the Avoda himself, I've heard that Rav Yosef Ber knew the entire procedure for the Avodas Yom Kippurim so precisely that he could have actually picked up from any part of the service and completed himself. Do we have that? 
And you know what? For those who are learning Masech HaSiyoma with Dafyomi right now, the time to visualize and try to understand the Avodah is actually right now. And obviously this issue is not limited to Karbanos, but it's one that clearly pervades our entire davening and any liturgy that we have come to quote-unquote familiarize ourselves with, but of course only on that superficial level. And Hashem can understand what we put into each tefillah. But do we have a clue? Do we have any understanding of what we're putting into each tefillah? Or are we just quote-unquote laning it? Or are we quote-unquote davening it? Just paying mere lip service. And if we haven't yet, we really have to ask ourselves when we're going to sit on it, pay attention to the words that are in the sitter, and try to understand any of it. And the difficult thing is that that has to be done on our own time. And if the avodah is not just a thing of the past, but an ideal that we yearn to engage in at some point again in the future, hopefully very, very soon, then we have to really have not just our hearts, but our minds set on what it's supposed to look like. And the beauty of that will be that we will not only be able to sing along if we know the words in the tune, we'll actually have a greater sense of yearning to perform that holy and heartfelt devotee once again. And I would add, even more so, that with a richer understanding of the avoda, you know, as we read about it, we can, in a certain sense, begin to return to that holy, heartfelt avoda even today. But it really starts with us putting the time in ourselves. And although this was a shorter session, I think um, it leaves us plenty to work with. And with the extra time, I guess you can maybe open a sitter and think about the words that we say every day, every week, every year. Okay, I guess we should all be zocha to not only understand the avoda, but to eventually see and participate in the holy avoda with the return and the rededication of the Mizbeach, with the rebuilding of the Beis Amigdash, and the coming of Mashiach B'Mehera B'Amenu. That's all the time we have left for this Real Talk Torah. But in the meantime, keep it real, keep talking, and most importantly, keep the Torah. Thank you for joining us here at the database.